Blog Talk Radio. You have a spot on your shirt, you probably wash it out. You have a spot on your sofa, you probably wash it out. You have a spot on your lung, you probably die. 85% of those diagnosed with lung cancer don't live. But the sooner you quit smoking, the sooner you start reducing your risk. Brought to you by the American Legacy Foundation and the National Association of Broadcasters. To learn more, visit AmericanLegacy.org slash Code Blue. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keyes. I'm your host, Joy Keyes. I want to thank you so much for tuning in this morning. You can follow me on Twitter.com slash Joy Keyes, and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keyes. And I'm now on Instagram, lots of cool pictures. You know what? If you tag me in a photo, you might win a prize. I do a lot of giveaways, so don't hesitate to tag me or follow on Twitter or become a fan on Facebook. I want to say thank you to all the listeners. Uh, Almost close to a million downloads of the podcast. Wow. I mean, thank you for listening. I'm glad you've enjoyed them. I hope you shared them with friends and family. Amazing. So, again, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Well, uh, this month was Asthma Awareness Month, and I have a specialist with me this uh, morning, Dr. Norman Edelman. He's with the American Lung Association. He's been the chief medical officer for 25 years, um, and he is a very sought-after expert. expert sorry. But this morning we're focusing on asthma. And, uh, Dr. Edelman, you there? I am here. Good morning, Joy. Good morning. Uh, so why are we focusing on asthma? Why is asthma important? Uh, why do people need to know about asthma? Well, asthma is a very, very common problem. Oh, at least 10% of the population have asthma, and certain segments of the population, certain minorities, uh, that percentage is even higher. And over the last 20 years or so, the prevalence, the amount of asthma has actually doubled. It's a bit of a puzzle. We don't quite understand why that is. But we really are in the middle of an asthma epidemic. And the other thing we're really concerned about with asthma is that although it's rarely life-threatening, it's substantially disabling. And a lot of people, unfortunately, kind of learn to live with their disability you know, learn to accept the fact they can do less rather than trying to improve their breathing so they can uh, perform to their full capacity. And the American Lung Association cares about that a whole lot. And we want people to take care of themselves and optimize their care and their treatment so they really can can be fully active because most people with asthma should be able to live essentially normal lives. I know most people have heard of asthma. I mean, I have um, a brother who has asthma. I believe when I was younger I actually kind of had asthma, but maybe somehow outgrew it. And then I end up getting, I think it was like exercise-induced asthma, like certain times when I would run, I would get some kind of trigger. But I haven't had anything in years. Um, but now how does someone get asthma? Is it genetic? Is it environmental? You mentioned that it doubled uh, in recent years, why is that? And, and, and again, going back to is it genetic or environmental, how people get it? Yeah, all, all great questions. Um, there is a heritable component, certainly. So if both your parents have asthma, there's a pretty good chance you're going to have asthma. If there's no asthma in your family, there's a better chance you won't have asthma. 
Asthma is closely allied with allergies. Now, not everybody with asthma has allergies, but many, many people, especially young people who have asthma, have allergies. So if you're a very allergic person, if people in your family are very allergic, uh, there's a good chance you're going to have uh, asthma. Uh, we really don't know why the incidence has doubled. Uh, there are some fascinating and somewhat strange hypotheses, as one called the hygiene hypothesis, which says that we're too clean. We raise our children in environments that are too clean, and if they got exposed to certain kind of bacteria in the first few months of life, their immune systems would be better at defending against asthma. I mean, that, that's an interesting idea, and it, it's got a lot of support. Uh, but, but the answer is we don't know. But, but it is a very, very substantial problem. So now, what are the symptoms of asthma? I mean, are they something that somebody should go to the emergency room? Just can you talk about some of the symptoms? Yeah. Uh, the, you know, what asthma is, is, is an inflammation of the airways of your lung. And, and people who have real asthma almost always have some inflammation going on. But then something happens. They, they're exposed to a trigger. It may be something you're allergic to. It may be, as, as in your case, exercising in cold air. And the inflammation gets worse, and those airways narrow down further to a critical level. And at that point, you begin to have trouble breathing. So the symptoms of asthma are trouble breathing, uh, wheezing. Sometimes you can hear yourself wheeze. Other people can hear yourself wheeze. Cough. Um, in children, the symptoms are, are subtle. They're not always clear, and you have to be on the lookout for that. So, you know, a five-year-old child who all of a sudden doesn't want to run with the other kids, well, you know, maybe he's having trouble breathing and he doesn't know how to tell you that. Or, or a five-year-old child who wakes up coughing every night, especially during allergy season, you know, that, that could be asthma as well. The hallmark of asthma is that the airway narrowing is reversible. It is treatable and reversible. So now, what does someone do when they start having the symptoms? What should they do? Well, if you have asthma, if you know you have asthma and you have medications, if you're having symptoms, you stop the exercising you're doing. You uh, get away from whatever trigger, you know, your your neighbor's cat uh, it could be a favorite trigger, and you sit down and relax, and you breathe in, in a way that you've been taught to breathe that's slow and deep, and you take the medications, the quick reliever medications uh, that your uh, doctor has prescribed. And you, you, in most cases, that will be fine, but if it gets worse and worse and worse, well, then, you know, then that's a sign you have to call your doctor, or if it's really bad, if you're gasping for breath, it's a sign you have to go to the emergency room. So I was um, looking at the CDC, and they were saying that nine people die from asthma every day. That seems like a fair amount um, from something that, I mean, it's not like, you know, we think cancer or HIV. Yeah, it, it, it is a fair you know amount. I mean? It is a fair amount. But it's a lot less than it used to be. So okay. over the last, oh, 15 years or so, we've cut the death rate in asthma in half. And we think it's largely because 
organizations like the American Lung Association have gotten the message out, and more and more people are using controller medications as well as quick reliever medications. Most people with asthma have to take two kinds of medications. One is a quick reliever. It opens up the airways right away when they've shut down. And the other is a controller medicine that, that they use every day that reduces the inflammation in their airways. And over the last 15 or 20 years or so, there's been a greatly increased use of these controller medications. And we believe that's probably what, what's uh, behind the declining death rate for asthma. Now, are there pill medications, or everything is this inhaler type of medication? The, the basic medications are inhalers, and, and the reason we use inhalers is we want to get potent corticosteroids into your lung, on the lining of your lung, but not into the rest of your body where they cause side effects. There are some liquid medications. There are some pill medications, but, but the mainstay of the treatment of asthma are inhaler medications. Now, I was mentioning to you, like, I had, I believe my mom told me I had asthma when I was younger, but I seem to have outgrown it. Is that typical? Is it, did I never really outgrow it? It's just nothing has triggered it? Um, what, I mean, you know, what, what is your opinion about that? Yeah, so you have a asthma tendency, and it's in your family. Your brother has asthma, and you had mm -hmm. a little bit of it as a child. It's very common for children who have asthma to get better when they become adolescents. And it's probably due to the growth spurt and the widening of their airways. And you may be done with it or asthma may come back someday. Uh, the interesting mm -hmm. thing about asthma is it affects people of all ages, from, from uh, very young children to elderly people. And, and it looks different. The disease is different in young children and older people. Now, can you all of a sudden get asthma as an older person? Yes, it does happen. Okay, okay. It does happen. Older people do develop asthma. It tends to be different. It, it tends not to be associated with allergies, and unfortunately it tends to be harder to treat. Uh, it's relatively easy to treat asthma in almost all children. Well, I was also reading that the asthma cost our nation $56 billion a year. Uh, this is according to the National Asthma Control Program, and that one in four blacks can't afford their medicine, asthma medicine, and one in five Hispanics can't afford. Is it that insurance companies are not paying for it? Is it that, do you know if the copay is very high for this medication, or is it because they have to take two types of medication? All of the above. Asthma medications are expensive. Uh, and, uh, you know, people with very good insurance have it well covered, but there are lots of people with either no insurance or not so good insurance, and they don't have access to all the medications. Uh, it, it's a serious problem, especially in African Americans and in uh, Hispanics of Puerto Rican origin, because they tend to have a, a larger burden of asthma. Now, I know there are different um, resources that the American Lung Association has. Um, is there any resource in terms of connecting people with, like, free medication or uh, help buying medication, do you know? Uh, the American Lung Association does not have a program that helps people get free medications. Many of the manufacturers do have programs that, that help people 
who can't afford medication to get some free medication. And the way to do that is to speak to your health care provider, and, and they can plug you into those programs. Uh, they are useful, but they don't solve the whole problem. And the American Lung Association believes very, very strongly that we need a health care system where everybody who needs uh, good asthma reliever and control of medications ought to have access to it at, at a price they can afford. Now, we um, were talking earlier just trying to manage your symptoms, and you talk, talked about when you feel things coming on to go sit down, you know, try to breathe naturally the way you were taught. Um, you know, should they wait till the next day? Uh, at what point do you think they should go to the emergency room? Is it just based on each person's individual discomfort level? Yes, it's based on your symptoms, right? So if you take your quick reliever and it works um, and you're feeling better, that's fine. Uh, make sure to continue the control of medications that have been prescribed as well. Uh, some doctors will prescribe a small dose of oral uh, corticosteroids when the attack happens. Uh, many doctors won't. It depends on, on you know, how they feel their patients are able to manage that. But it really depends on, on your level of discomfort. If your breathing is okay, that's fine. If your breathing does not get better, if it gets worse, if your chest really feels tight, if you're really having trouble getting air in or out, um, uh, especially if, if your fingernails turn blue or your lips turn blue, that happens, oh, more, wow. more, that happens more in children. Uh, you know, that's that's evidence that your breathing is so bad there's not enough oxygen in your blood. You know, that requires a visit to the emergency room. Now, we talked about triggers as well. I just wanted to go back to that. We talked about um, cold air. We talked about maybe animals. Uh, how about, like, paint and dust, things of that nature, uh, um, cockroaches, um, yeah. any of these things? Yeah. They all, they all are triggers. Dust mites. Tiny little, tiny little bugs in, in dust, especially in bedding, are a trigger. Uh, people who are, are allergic to dust mites should wash their bedding in very hot water at least once a week. Uh, cockroaches. Uh, many people are allergic to cockroaches. Uh, and this is a, a special problem in poor people uh, who live in, in crowded buildings where they really have difficulty controlling roaches. Uh, uh, poor children living in inner cities have a huge amount of allergy to cockroach material, and, and that is probably an important trigger to their asthma. Uh, all the kinds of things you might be allergic to, uh, uh, you know, all the leaves and, and the flowers and the grass and, and the ragweed, uh, all those things can, can be triggers. Furry pets, furry animals, uh, mm. usually, and it's not it's not the fur, it's it's the the skin itself, it's the dander on the skin, that's the trigger. And don't let anybody tell you that there's a dog or a cat that's not uh, allergenic. That's not true. They all are. <laughs> are you serious? Uh, Somebody's walking, tell, telling people that their their animal is not an allergen. <laughs> well, there are some breeds of there are some. Some breeds of dogs, especially that don't shed, that, that have been said to, you know, not cause allergies. It's not true because it's not the hair; it's the dander and the skin. 
that does it. So for people whose asthma really bothers them, uh, you know, you ought to not uh, be near all those people. I forgot to neglect a, a, a very, very important trigger, and that's cigarette smoke. So yes. secondhand cigarette smoke, if you have an asthmatic person living with you in your house, uh, there should never, ever be uh, cigarette smoke in your house. It's a very, very potent trigger of asthma. Now, I mean, so many people don't realize that, that even from, if you're living in an apartment, sometimes the smoke comes through down into your apartment. I, that happened to me. My neighbor was a smoker. I wasn't. And their bedroom, they must be smoking. I actually had to go down and, like, give them a note. Like, yeah. hey, do not smoke in your bedroom at least because I'm waking up in the morning and I'm waking up to cigarette smell like I'm smoking and I'm not, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, very good point. And there are some places which are considering rules that would prohibit smoking in apartment buildings. Obviously, there's a lot of opposition to that. People think they ought to be able to do what they want in their own apartment. But what you described is absolutely true. That smoke, if you're very sensitive, if you're a patient with asthma who's very, very sensitive to cigarette smoke, that smoke from next door will be enough uh, to trigger worsening of your asthma. Now, we were talking about exercising cold air, but is exercise good maybe in not cold air for people with asthma? Well, it's a two, a double-edged sword. Um, uh, on the one hand, exercise, even not in cold air, can trigger uh, tightening of the airways. And that's probably due to drying of the surface of, of the uh, lungs. Because uh, when you exercise, you breathe deeply, you move air in and out so fast that it can't be fully humidified before it gets to your lungs. And that little bit of dry air can, can trigger what we call exercise-induced bronchospasm. Um, and, you know, for people who are troubled by that, we recommend that they take their quick reliever medicine before they start exercising. So that exercise is a problem. On the other hand, exercise is really important to stay healthy if you have asthma. Uh, and, and that's because we want your muscles to be well-conditioned. When your muscles are, are well-conditioned, uh, it makes it easier to breathe. It makes it easier to get oxygen to your muscles. We, we don't want you to be unconditioned. And, and what we, we haven't discussed, uh, which is very, very important, is, is the issue mm. of obesity. Uh, exercise helps control being overweight. And we've discovered in the last few years that obesity is a great amplifier of asthma. As you put on pounds, your asthma is going to get worse, and there are some scientists who believe obesity actually is a cause of asthma. It brings it out if you have the predisposition. So exercise for people with asthma is good. Is that because in terms of obesity, is that because the organs are being compressed? Why do they think Yeah, it's that both. It's the, the lungs are being compressed, those little airways and... In, in the uh, outside, uh, in the corners of the lungs are being shut tight by the uh, pressure from, from the abdomen. But there are also chemical things that go on in, in obese people that are what we call pro-inflammatory. They tend to enhance inflammation of all kinds, including asthma. 
Wow. So today we talked about asthma. What is asthma? The genetic components of it. Some things are environmental. The triggers, you know, we talked about the cockroaches. A lot of people don't realize about the cockroaches. I remember I first learned about that several years ago, and I was like, what, really, cockroaches? So that's important to know. Um, and also the secondhand smoke or firsthand smoke, somebody's actually, some like people who have asthma, they smoke cigarettes. I mean, Yeah, and that's know, terrible. In my practice, those are the hardest people to take care of because the cigarette smoke blocks the effect of the controller inhalers. And, you know, I throw up my hands in despair. I tell these patients, I'm not going to make you better unless you stop smoking. But it's a hard Mm -hmm. habit to kick. That's crazy. So now in terms of their medication, you talked about most people are taking two different types, but they should speak with their, you know, primary care provider to get their special needs met. You know, everybody is different. We don't, this is, I mean, he's a doctor. Dr. Edelman's a doctor, but he's not your doctor. So please check with your primary care physician about what to do in terms of your medication and when to take it and how to take it. Well, Dr. Edelman, thank you so much for coming on the show today and teaching us about asthma and how we can manage it better. Um, And also I want to mention that the American Lung Association's website is lung.org. Also there on Twitter, Lung Association, so you can follow them. Thank you so much, Dr. Norman Edelman. My pleasure. Thank you. You have a wonderful Saturday. Well, you too. Enjoy the fresh air. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with Dr. Norman Edelman from the American Lung Association. Today we were talking about asthma because May is Asthma Awareness Month. But asthma affects so many people in America that you need to be aware about it, aware of it every day of the year uh, and know about your triggers, know that you can possibly still exercise. Again, check with your primary care physician. Exercise is extremely important. It stays off obesity. And Dr. Edelman mentioned that obesity could possibly be a cause of asthma and or worsening of your asthma. So please try to stay conditioned <laughs> to stave off uh, making your asthma worse. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned. I'll be speaking with soul singer Betty Levette uh, at 11.30, so you can call in for that, 646-929-0368. You guys have a wonderful Saturday. You can follow me on twitter.com slash joykeys, and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And check me out on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. Have a wonderful Saturday, and hopefully you'll stay tuned for Betty Levette. You have a spot on your shirt, you probably wash it out. You have a spot on your sofa, you probably wash it out. You have a spot on your lung, you probably die. 85% of those diagnosed with lung cancer don't live. But the sooner you quit smoking, the sooner you start reducing your risk. Brought to you by the American Legacy Foundation and the National Association of Broadcasters. To learn more, visit AmericanLegacy.org slash code blue.